You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait, celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode three of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm an author, journalist and interviewer and I'm here with the wonderfully talented Gina Militia who is photographer to the stars, expert portrait photographer, lifestyle and travel photographer, you name it, she's done it. How are you Gina? Hey Val, I'm great. How are you going? I'm good, I'm good. We're here to talk about all things photography this week. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Look, I was, you know, browsing around the internet as I do uh, this week and I came across this link uh, about a photographer who has captured a panoramic selfie from Dubai's Burj Khalifa, which is, you know, ridiculously tall building. I saw that. Yes. And it's like 2,723 feet above the ground. I'm not going to be doing something like that anytime soon. So I wanted to ask you, what has been one of your most, I guess, dangerous or physically unusual, you know, locations where you've taken photographs? Well, for a start, you will never get me on a building like that ever, (laughs) ever. I think... um One of the most dangerous things I ever did, and I I really feared for my life, and you happened to be there. Really? Yes. (laughs) We did a trip to Kakadu. Oh. And we were doing a shoot, and we had to get into these little tinnies, which a tinny is a a tiny boat made of tin, I guess. (laughs) Yes. And they they sit really low low to the water, so it's a tiny boat. Was it, what, a metre and a half? long this boat and a meter wide and we went down the Mary River which is a river in in, up in the north of uh, Australia in Darwin and there were there was crocodiles crocodiles everywhere they're five meters long I know and like I still feel sick I feel sick thinking about it Val remembering back then really and oh my god I've never been so scared in my whole life. (laughs) And they just, the way they just slid into the water. You know, we had a guide in the boat with us and I was driving the boat. Yes, I remember that. Yes, through those gigantic leaves. Yeah, it was or like whatever they're called in Alice in Wonderland or something like that. Yeah. It was like really fantasy. It was a, it, it was uh, an incredible experience, but like. Uh, I've never been so afraid in my whole it life. It was like being in Jurassic Park and I think yep. that's possibly why I wasn't afraid um, because I thought I was on a movie set. You know, I had you, you had a photographer there and, you know, it was like a, a cast from, you know, straight out of a movie and I think I was, I must have, that maybe that was my coping mechanism. I just thought, okay, well, I'm just on a movie set. I'm on location. <laughs> We're doing a shoot. You know, this is all the styling and the props. 
It'll be fine. <laughs> We're at Disneyland and they're just like, they're fake. It's all exactly. fake. Exactly. It, it was a ride. Oh, my God. That whole trip, though. Oh, that was, another time. Yeah, another time. That was my coping mechanism. But anyway, I, I, um, I found something else uh, on the internet. It was, um, it's from a blog and we'll put the link in the show notes for, called The Creators Project. And it was interesting because it says this sort of artwork, which are uh, a series of black and white studio portraits of goats so they've gotten these goats into the photographic studio and you can tell they've kind of combed their hair and you know made them look in in a certain way and they're really like proposing (laughs) like they're doing blue steel or something and and it's quite an interesting um interpretation of what they call art and it's pretty interesting and so i wanted to know whether you have photographed goats <laughs> or any other kind of animals, really? And what was that experience like? Because, you know, they always say don't work with children's, children yeah. or animals. Yeah. I've probably photographed goats, you know, by accident on a trip somewhere. They just happen to be in the background. But I, I can't say that I've ever had a goat in the studio. <laughs> I, ha- <laughs> I have done – I've done dogs. Yes, um, you've done we my did a dog. calendar. We did a calendar for Gus the Boxer yes. and that was a whole series of, you know, so that was a, an interesting experience. He was he was beautiful. Like, and your dog too was amazing. <laughs> um, and I think I've photographed horses before and oh. there's a real skill to it and my hat goes off to any of the um, pet photographers who just, that's their niche is pet photography because – Oh my God! There is such a skill to getting animals to look good. The way yeah. their ears their ears have to stand up, and all the little tricks to get them to look at the camera and get them to stay in one spot and mm. sit and sit well and look great. Mm. Um, yeah, there really is. That's that's a, a whole other market, and uh, yeah, very it's difficult. Not easy. I mean, I'm no. an amateur pet photographer because yeah. I have three dogs yeah. and two cats, and I am constantly taking photos of. The, my little furry children and uh you know some of them are easier to shoot than others but it is very difficult because they don't understand look over here no here no turn turn to the left a bit it doesn't really work that way when it comes to animals um something else though let's move on to um there's this link that i've got of a whole series of um photos of windows and it's actually just called a look through the window in 13 photos and it's a really cool collection that's been curated by christina josick uh on uh, about photos of windows now i know you have you don't necessarily have a thing for windows but you have a thing for bikes and i see bikes in your stream i see bikes just you know everywhere uh, you know like in your house and in your studio why the thing about bikes okay i, I don't even I, know i actually have never asked you this question oh really um, no. I, I have i have a thing i love bikes and i think for some it brings me back to my childhood i remember um you know when i was seven i got my first bike and so every time and i've now bought that same bike i have it in my house it's just leaning against the wall because every time i look at it it makes me happy. It's that It's that simple. Every time I see a bike leaning up against a wall or up against a pole, it just it, it takes me back to my childhood and there's something about the innocence of a bike. And so everywhere I travel around the world, I have to photograph bikes and, you know, you see beautiful ones in India. They're so intricate and they're really retro there and Paris is full of amazing bikes. And now Melbourne, where, where, we, where I live, 
suddenly in the last three years, uh, bikes are everywhere yeah, all everywhere. of a sudden. And those beautiful retro bikes uh, are just amazing. And I, I can't walk past one without um, photographing it. I just, yeah, there's I've something noticed. really romantic about them. Yeah, okay. Maybe a bit. It's like it's – some people have a thing about, I don't know, doors, <laughs> windows, yeah. cats. Yeah. Every, everyone has a thing. You know, I've also got another thing for the uh, Fiat 500 car, which is the Fiat Bambino. There's those tiny little mini cars. Uh-huh. And – they make me so happy as well. So every time I see one of those, I have to I have to photograph it. Oh, that's okay. the equivalent of seeing a lion in in the wild. Really? You know? I see a little <laughs> a Fiat Bambino on the road in 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 going up a laneway in Sicily. Uh, you know, for me, it's I think it would be just as exciting as seeing a lion. In, in My Africa. thing is way more boring. What's and yours? It's it's really boring in comparison to either of those. It's oddly, and I only realised that I have this thing. And if you do look at my even just my Instagram um, stream, I've realised now I have this thing. I take photos of my coffee. Oh yeah, I've noticed that. <laughs> I'm not quite sure why, but um, that's my thing. Um, but if you've, if listeners have a thing, please do um, leave us a note in the comments. We'd love to check out your Instagram stream and see what your thing is. Um, <clears throat> so this episode, though, let's move on to the guts of this episode because, and it's particularly relevant to me because I'm in the process for people who've been listening already of, you know, buying some new camera gear. Um, and But I would be described, I reckon, as an enthusiast. I'm not the sort of photographer who necessarily wants to turn pro or get paid, but I'm pretty into my photography as an enthusiast. So I wanted to find out from you, and I'm sure a lot of other people will have a similar question, is about the essential gear you need if you want to be a successful photographer, kind of at both levels, for the serious enthusiasts like me, but also for people who want to be a working photographer. Yep. Um, you know, what essential gear do you need? I mean, I don't even know where to start on this. Where do we start on this, Gina? Well, I think we should start by defining what, what success is. You know, when you say to be a successful photographer, that could mean um, actually going out and getting paid for your yep. work or it could also mean going out and taking great photos is also, I define that as being a successful photographer. So, Just for yourself, you, know, you mean? For yourself, yeah. yeah. Just, just for the art, for the love of it. Like, I photograph bikes for the love of it. Mm. No, I don't think I'll ever sell them. And for me, you know, capturing bikes everywhere I see them, I define that as being successful in that field. So it's, you know, what what, what do you define success? And uh, and then what type of photography do you want to do? Um, because you need to consider that before you consider what kind of camera you might like to buy. Because uh, if you say if you're going to be taking um, thousands and thousands of photos, you might be wanting to be maybe a wedding photographer. They take a lot of photos or a school photographer or, you know, whatever, other, other kinds of photography. Animal photographer, they also take lots and lots of frames. You're going to be using it... Um, out in the wilds or, or extreme temperatures, you're going to be, you know, mountain climbing with that camera. You're going to be photographing in sub-zero temperatures where so it might need to be an extra heavy-duty camera. Mm. So you really need to define or sport. You're going to be photographing like fast action cars, you know, going fast or, or, or games of uh, football or things like this. Mm. 
think about what you're going to be using it for and then we can sort of, you know, put together the, the right kind of gear that you, you'll need to support that. Okay, so I guess if we wanted to narrow it down, we, prob- we, we can't go through every kind of photographer there is no. out there. So let's start with, you know, you're, you're, you know you're serious about photography, you're not sure yet, or you only have an inkling at this stage what your niche might be, but you w- want to get started and you don't know, have I got the right tools already or, or, or should I have bought something else, you know, like what's, what's purchase number one and what kind of thought needs to go into that? Well, I think even before we make that purchase, I just want to clarify that, like, you know, a lot of people tend to think that it's the camera that's going to make them a great photographer. Mm. But it's like if I wanted to go and play tennis really well and I went and bought, say, Roger Federer's tennis racket, (laughs) it's not going to make me a champion as much as I thought it would. It doesn't. It doesn't make you a champion tennis player. Or if I get into... um, What's that supermodel, Giselle Bündchen's jeans, right? Yes. I wear her jeans. Does that make me a supermodel? It doesn't. Sadly, no. You know, but people think that if, as soon as they buy, you know, that top-of-the-line whiz-bang camera, suddenly it's going to make them take great photos. It's not true. And, mm. and you see the other end of the scale. You can go onto a site like um, Instagram where people are using uh, smartphone cameras and the images are unbelievable. They're so yeah. beautiful. And, and you know, so uh, I'm going to quote Chase Jarvis here and say that the best camera is the one you have with you. Right, yeah. You know, at mm. all times, at, at the start. So so know that, that, it you know, when you're starting out, as long as you've got something and, and the best camera is the best one that you can afford, you know, at that time you know, to start out with. And then you really should be focusing on having something to practice on so that you can learn the craft first. And then so maybe think about starting at that entry level first and then kind of working your way up as you go along. Because it's like if you're going to have something that's the top of the line to start with, there's going to be all these extra parts that come with it and bits and pieces that you're never going to use for a long time. So you may as well start out on, you know, a more basic model that's a lot easier to use and you can sort of wrap your head around it a lot quicker, take really good photos and then when, when you've mastered that, maybe move on to the next one. And the camera, you know, company websites are really quite helpful in that they do categorise their cameras into, yep. you know, entry level or enthusiast yes. or, you know, pro or, you know, extreme pro or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, look at them, I suppose. Exactly, and 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 they will uh, they will compare you know every every camera, and there's there's quite a few, and you you also want to think about whatever camera you buy, you want to make sure that you've got some sort of uh, warranty and backup, mm. you know, in case something goes wrong, that you could take it back and say, hey, you know, this isn't quite working out for me, or you've just got someone. Uh, that you can talk to and say, hey, I'm not really sure, you know, you showed me this button here, is this what I do or mm. where can I get parts or if, if you need the, the camera clean because sometimes the sensor gets really dirty and you need to get that, you know, clean or if something goes wrong that you can get it repaired easily and quickly mm. rather than, you know, you get an obscure brand name and no one knows how to fix it, which happened to me with lights actually. Mm. 
So it's a real hassle. And so if we are, you know, looking at that entry-level camera, and I know, like I said, it's going to be hard because people do have lots of different niches, but let's kind of take, you know, um, a photographer, a general photographer who may not be specialising just yet. Yep. Yep. So it, they have the, the entry-level or, you know, whatever level they are, they might have the pro um, <clears throat> camera. What, and they've got the body of it, but what lenses do you think are essential in the in the essentials pack, you know what I mean? Okay, so let's 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 base this answer on someone who's just starting out, and you know they haven't spe- found an area to specialise in. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly how I started out. I, I actually shot food first before I, I was paid to photograph food before I was paid to photograph people. So luckily, I had lenses in my kit that could do that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think if you're starting out, you want to have um, a good variety from from wide to long. So I would have today, like back in the day when I started out, no one even looked at zoom lenses because they were considered paperweights. They weren't great. The mm. the, the the quality wasn't very good. Today, mm. uh, zoom lenses are pretty good, and and so and what you get is like three or four lenses is in one. So for value for money, I think a zoom lens is really good. So um, the, the so I would get something like a, a 24 to 105 mm-hmm. uh, as a focal length or a 24 to 70 and uh, maybe you'd get a, a standard lens which would be a 50 millimeter and that, that's like considered by, by a lot of people to be a good portrait lens. I, I personally think it's a little bit short but that's a good starting point, the mm-hmm. 50 millimeter and then uh, a, a 70 to 200 as well to throw in there um the the 24 to 105 i believe is a really good walk around lens mm. so a walk do you know what a walk around lens is val enlighten me it's, well, it's kind of says it in the, <laughs> the but it's 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 a good lens to walk around with you mm-hmm. know so basically it's a light lens and it's got that you know the 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 wide to the longer so it's really good if you're say using it um on holiday and you want to do a photo of, of say a church or inside a church that mm. you see or a landscape you'd be shooting at 24 and then you want to take a photo of someone out in the street you could zoom into to 105 you mm. know so that's the that's the walk around lens that i use and that's one when i when i travel that's the one that i take a lot i also use that a lot for events it's good for weddings and uh events and things like that because you can zoom from wide to to, to long really mm. quickly and really easily Okay, so 24 to 105, a standard 50 millimetre and 70 to 200, a probably good start. A good start. Well, yeah, so I've just described my kit and then then there's, you know, there's in-betweens and different variations because a lot of the entry-level cameras come with uh, what's called kit lenses. So you can can get like a, 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 I think a 17 to 55 is a standard kit lens that comes with a lot of the the cameras Uh, and that's also a a good start to get for for doing landscapes because most... A lot of landscape photographers like to use really, really wide lenses so that you can get everything in the shot. Mm. Uh, and then uh, portrait photographers, uh, I personally like to use uh, long lenses to photograph people because I think they're more flattering. But then there's other, again, it depends on the style. Other other portrait photographers like to shoot wide as well because it, it just gives you that another quirky kind of style. And then there's... Um, uh, documentary photographers 
like to shoot around 35 millimeter the the um the white house photographer shoots on 35 mm. that that's what's considered a good good um documentary um focal point and mm. so is and 50 mil is what you really look like. So if you're ever wondering what you really look like in real life without any distortion, <laughs> it's 50 mil. Scary. That's, I reckon that's how they shoot you at the post um, passport office. Yeah, right. and the, the driver's license office where you know how they get you to stand there yeah. and, and you're ready to go. And I'm always trying to do my, you know, put my neck forward and, and make sure that I don't have a double chin and all of that. And I'm getting ready and they're I'm getting ready for my portrait. Yeah. And then you know what they do? This is the trick. I think they do this deliberately. They ask you a question. Right. And you, and you screw up your face and you go, huh? Because they mumble it to you. Yes. And when you've screwed up your face and said, huh, they take the photo. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I think it's a conspiracy. A, it is. And they've got a sucker's board at the back. <laughs> and, they, and, and I think they're betting money with each other saying, who can get the ugliest photo? <laughs> Of the punters. I, I, that's what I think. That's definitely what they must be doing in their spare time at Australia Post, yes. Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move on to you, you've got your gear. Okay, so you've got the body, you've got these lenses. It's great. What else is essential when you're starting out, do you think? Well, I think that is a good place to start and getting the hang of, of using the camera with the, with the lens. You can get away with that for a, for a little while, mm. but if you were going to buy, I think the next thing after that would be a good tripod. Yeah. What does, what does that mean? What's a good tripod? Because, like, for reasons I can't even explain, I'm looking in my room now and there's four yeah. tripods here and yeah. I don't even know how I've accumulated I noticed that, these actually. Four tripods. Like, Why do you have four tripods? I do not know. So <laughs> I don't even – I can't even remember where I've accumulated them from. So what's a good tripod? Well, a good tripod is one that's going to, if you put your camera on it and set it up, uh, when the first gust of wind comes, it's not going to blow over, okay? So you can, you can get um, lightweight, uh, cheap tripods mm. that um, aren't good because that's what happens, you know? They're, they're not very sturdy. So think about it this way. A tripod is something that you should only buy once in your life. Yeah, not four times. No, it's... it's it, so you kind of, if you can, try and, and think about that as a, as a really long-term investment. And the same with lenses. Um, you can keep your lenses for 10 years longer and it's the camera that you upgrade. Mm -hmm. So you think about that. You, you spend more coin on the lenses rather than the camera. And the tripod is something that you maybe want to think about just spending a little bit more money for. And, and you can notice that they're not... There's not a lot of them secondhand because right. people hang, hang on to them because they yeah. buy one and that's it. So, and and you need to think about what again. What sort of photography are you doing? So, if you're going to be out there doing landscape photography, and often landscape photography uh, involves a lot of long exposure stuff, and you need to keep the camera really steady. If you've got a lightweight camera and it's really windy, like you're out on the beach and it's it's a you know, super, super windy day, the camera's going to blow around. You're going to get um, shake in your photo. So, so you want something that's going to be sturdy. But having said that, if it's really heavy, you're not going to be wanting to carry around something that's super, super heavy. So yeah. you need to think about, you know, sturdy versus weight. And you can get them um, made out of, what is it, carbon. They're lighter than the normal ones, mm. but they're like twice the price. 
So you, you need to think about that, weigh that up. And, and then you can get something in between that's not too heavy, still sturdy. And then you want to think about uh, what sort of uh, configurations can you fold it into and, and how high is it going to um, expand? Mm. So, you know, if you're going to be shooting, say, products, you want to be able to get up and over things. And you also, and if you're shooting people, you may want to be able to get like really low, like the tripod that I'm using now. I've I've gone from one of my heavy studio ones to a much lighter one because I just got sick of carrying something really heavy around all the time. So I've got a lighter one and actually the legs fold out all the way to the ground. So I can be like, you know, almost third, like right, right, right you know, worm's eye view to mm. shoot at. And so not my studio tripods won't do that, but this latest one that I've got does that and it's great and I can take that, I, I can throw that in my suitcase and it's not going to, you know, throw me over the, 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 the limit for, for the plane and yeah. things like that. So, and also the head of the tripod, you can buy that separately. So you really want to think about, you know, what it is that you're going to shoot and what's important. So, again, if you're going to be shooting lots of landscape, uh, I think that's important that you're able to get your verticals and your horizontals exactly straight, so something Mm. a bit more precise. And if you're shooting um, portraits, again, you want to be thinking about how you're going to be tilting the camera and what angles. So I think there's all sorts of, like there's ball heads that will move in, you know, 360 degree, all different angles. There's ones that will tip tip you know completely upside down so you can sort of more for shooting products there's so many really good ones out there mm. uh but it's a matter of ease of use um some people like if they're uh shooting uh action or uh documentary stuff or news they want to be able to like just set their tripod up really quickly mm. and just get the camera on and and off and 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 you know that's that's what they're looking for in 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 a tripod so well a lot of news people use monopods really just because it's they don't have the space especially if they're in a media scrum or anything or something like that yeah and monopods are fantastic because they can double as like if you you don't need your monopod that day you can actually put your light onto the end of it and use that as a light uh, to hold the light sometimes Mm. so they're really good monopods are really handy and you should have one if you can in your kit because they're also great if you're doing uh concerts and stills and things like that and they come in really handy you've talked about you know making sure that it's a sturdy tripod it's not going to blow over now i have to ask i've never actually asked you this before brands I mean, can you actually give us some brands that you like of of tripods that you think work well? Well, all my tripods are Manfrotto. Uh Uh-huh. All of them. Okay. There you go. You heard it from Gina. (laughs) Why is that? They're Italian. Okay. That's the reason why. (laughs) Why you're going back to your roots. It's out of a sense of what nationalism, what is it? But but, but what's great, and although you can use any tripod head with any uh, legs, I just know that I've got all these Manfrotto heads and all these Manfrotto sticks and I can mix and match. Right, yeah. And and it's just – They've become like a, an extension of my hand. I'm so used to using them that it doesn't matter which of my tripods I pick up. I know how I can move the camera and where I can go without even looking. I could do it blindfold. I've done mm. it so many times. And so I just get used to using the same 
the same brand, and yeah. so I stick with it. And I know it. I know where I can get it repaired. I know. I just know it so well. And so it's just a matter of what. And there's there's better brands. There's better brands than Manfrotto, but that's just what I have. And so it's a matter of um, looking out, comparing, and that's like. The, the photographers I trained with use Manfrotto, mm. you know, and, and so That's I, what I to. To do, it's what I'm used to. So apart from the camera and the tripod then, now with photography, you, I mean, you wander into a camera shop and it, it's it's daunting enough, but you wander into a pro camera shop, it's freaking... Heaven. Well, heaven for you or extremely overwhelming if you don't really know the difference between all the things. And there's so many things to choose from. If I even look at my small number of camera accessories, I just go, you know, I, I don't even know why I've bought some of them. So what's the next item that you think is essential before we go, you know, people go all out and buy reflectors and lights and remote triggers and, you know, everything? Well, well. Before we buy lights, uh, a, a reflector is is something like a, a five in one that you mm. can get, and that's a really uh, cheap purchase. I think a thirty two inch would cost you about twenty dollars. So the five in one reflector is it uh, is it's white on one side, gold, silver, black, um, and and opaque as well. They're the five sides that you get, and that's an essential, I think, to have one of those because. You can then uh, bounce light back into a shot. Um, you can use the black side to subtract light. So, so if you're doing a, a portrait of someone and the light's really flat, that's kind of boring. If you bring the black reflector up to the side of the face, mm. you're going to, 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 to bring shadow into one side of the face and make the shot look a bit more interesting. And you can also use the, the, the fuse section if it's really super sunny outside and you still want to do a portrait outside, you can use that to, to make a beautiful shade like a really soft light over the portrait and you get a little lovely light. So, And they're so tiny. They just fold. You can keep them in your handbag if you've got mm. one. They'll, they'll sit in the – I've got two that I keep in my camera bag. So I've got like one set to black, one set to silver, and then the others are gold and white. So I've got all, all different um, – Sides, very handy, and they're it's even handy really, handy, really handy for just even things like, well, like as scrims, or or, yes. or even just for privacy. Like you know, sometimes you're with the model and you just need to change and get your we've, top we've off. We've done that, and then yeah. you hold one of those up. Now you don't even need to spend the twenty dollars and get it. like these are great because you can just fold them up and they're they're, mm. they're tiny and they're small. But if you don't have one of those, a, a, honestly, a sheet of white cardboard does the trick. Yes. So I've been on shoots sometimes and a, a truck has parked next to me and that's been enough to bounce white light into my model and that's all I've needed. Mm-hmm. You know? So, you know, anything that's white will work. Anything that's black will work. I've seen people use, um, you know, those things that you protect your windshield with? Yes. The sun? Yes. They'll, they'll do the trick as well. Mm. Fo- foil wrapped around a bit of cardboard will work as well. Uh, cake. You know the things that they put cheesecakes on, those silver ones? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, okay. So, so never, you, I've you, never used that. You eat the cheesecake. Oh, good, and, yes. And then, but, but people use those in, in food photography yes. as well. It's like you just to, to, to bring some light back into the it shop. It can just improvise. I remember you once even just saying to me, you need some light on your face, go stand in the shadow part 
it goes stand in front of um, where sunlight hits the concrete, but yes. in the shadow part. But make sure the concrete reflects back on your face. Yeah, and how good was <laughs> that lighting? It just did the oh, did the trick. It was fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. actually the best light in the world. Those scenarios. Mm-mm. So okay, good. What else? Um, so that's a really easy one. Twenty bucks, and yeah, very light, very handy. It's really good to have a reflector. What's another item in your essentials kit? So then we move into into the lighting section, and I think we're next, getting a bit more serious. We're getting a bit more serious now, and so I would have a speed light. So that's a, a light that sits on the camera itself, and you can use that actually on the camera, or you can take that off the camera and use it as off camera flash. Mm-hmm. And the way you trigger that, you can either use a sync cord, which is the cheapest way, so a cord that runs from the flash back to your camera. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, that's how we did it because we didn't have a choice. And so there was always, you know, a cord running from the camera to the light that someone could trip over. Or mm. And then some genius invented the remote triggers. Yes. And uh, so you can now have a, a trigger attached to the flash and one to the camera and, and the camera will trigger the light. So that you, that's a, like those little uh, speed lights a fantastic little addition to your kit and if you're like when I travel overseas rather than bringing one of my portable lighting kits that are actually really heavy and it's a lot of effort to to pull it out and I I will have two speed lights instead and I know photographers who only use speed lights and might you know like use um 10 instead of lights because they're so portable and say you're doing you know a shot that that you just need to get light into a certain corner you can like hang a speed light up in the far corner of a room just to give that little you know extra hit of light i've seen um wedding photographers use them where you know when all the, the crowds out there dancing at a wedding mm. now they'll, they'll go and they'll hang a speed light up in the in the roof somewhere and they'll have another flash set to on their camera and when they mm. when they photograph people they get this beautiful backlight floating into the room and it looks amazing so people who use that for events as well just have one you know set up beforehand or they might put it on the speakers where the band is and and because they're so tiny Mm. they're really versatile and sometimes you know often you're having to shoot in tiny small little rooms and if you brought a big studio light in there you can't turn the light down enough Mm. uh, to not blast the whole room. And sometimes you just want to put a little tiny, tiny amount of flash and that's where these are really versatile. Um, How tiny are they? Well, they're they're like the size of like a a wallet really, Mm. you know, a a lady's wallet. So it's just a little speed light. The beauty of these are that like you can get, you know, the brand names Mm. but there's also a brand called, um, I think it's Unico, you. I'll, we'll put it in the show notes, mm-hmm. but they're like um, they're really cheap, and and they do everything that the brand names do as well, and they they they're, they're just as good. So, do you actually go into the camera shop and say, "Hey, I need a speed light," or is there a little bit more to it than that? Are there different types of speed lights that you'd you yeah. be well, asking yeah. for a particular size? Well, there's there's ones that are more powerful than others, so you can get slightly bigger ones and slightly smaller ones, and um, so it depends on on you know what are you going to be using for what sort of area do you want to be lighting so there's there's photographers that might want to be you know photographing large groups of people so they'd want a slightly bigger speed light and then than someone who's just using it for say doing couples or single mm. photos so you'd want a slightly smaller one and so at what 
point do you graduate to, you know, getting lighting? You know what I mean? Like, well, here's the thing. Some, some people never do and mm-hmm. they, they'll stay with the speed lights and, and you can actually shape these lights uh, beautifully. And, and what's happening, what's, what the photography is developed in the way that the cameras have gotten so good and so light sensitive that mm. you, can, you can actually shoot anywhere in available light now where you couldn't before because like when we were using film, uh, at a certain point there would just not was never enough light and, mm. and the photos you know, looked really grainy and awful. But now like the cameras can do like shoot like very little light and you, your shots still look amazing mm. uh, and so people are using speed lights just to just to you know maybe i use them if i'm a, if i'm shooting in a, someone in a hotel room i'll use the available light on the face through the window mm. and then i'll use my speed light just to put a bit of hair light in from the back tiny, from the back mm. Just a tiny amount, and you can dial these down to like you know one one twentieth of one one twenty fifth of the amount of light, like tiny, tiny, tiny amount of light. But it just gives that little highlight just where you want them. So they're, little they're, halo they're, effects, sort of little thing. halo, and they're they're so versatile and so amazing. Uh, I think they're ideal to have. You know, you should have it if you can have mm. at least one in your kit. The other thing that now is going to repl- – will soon replace these and you can actually get these for your smartphone is little LED ones versions. So it's continuous lighting. What do you mean for your smartphone? So it's a little credit card-sized light mm. and it it, it, um, it it plugs into your the top of your iPhone or, or it actually remote – it will fire remotely from your iPhone. <laughs> so – you can get someone to hold it. You can go back, take your group shot, and you, you've got flash lighting up the group instead of using your, your smartphone. Good Lord. Right? So there's versions of that for your SLR as well. So they look like little bricks mm. of light. And so you can just like hand it to an assistant or someone who just happens to be standing there not doing anything. You go, just hold this, thanks. <laughs> and, and and you light and you light your group in, instead of having to use flash. That that's where photography is heading now. The, you know, I think I think flash will um, slowly be phased out in a lot of areas, and people will be using these little LED lights instead. Well, Continuous we, lighting. We've come a long way since because I remember what, my first ever camera as a child was. Um, I don't even remember the brand or anything, but it had the little flash. But it was back in the day where once you used that flash, it was blown. You oh my god! You couldn't use How the flash. You? When you had that camera, you must have been about what one. Then you had that little one-off, one shot. I didn't yeah. even have one of those. That really reveals my age, doesn't it? Oh I, my god! I had those cameras, and they had four on each little, um, you know, because it was a square, like a cube kind of thing. And so you had four goes of the flash, and then your flash was dead. Oh my god! Yeah, long time ago. So I've been into photography for a Longer while. Longer than me. Longer than me. I got a one ten camera for one ten cartridge. Was my first camera. Oh yes. Do you remember those? Yes, I do. That was my first camera. Goodness me. I know. Now another. While we're on the topic of lights, one thing that I've noticed over the years is that, of course, cameras have light meters these days, um, and have for many many years. But um, I remember, you know, going to shoots and everyone's got all the photographers that have are using their handheld light meter yep. and how important is that these days and is it part of your essential to- toolkit uh, oh it depends on who you ask okay well i'm asking uh, you 
So if you're asking me, I think it's incredibly important. Mm -hmm. If you're shooting uh, studio Mm -hmm. and if you're using uh, fill flash outside off camera, I actually believe it's really important to... Well, just in case anyone doesn't understand or isn't familiar with what you're talking about with fill flash off camera, can you... Expand okay, on that. so so fill flash uh, off camera is where you're. So if you're using camera on flash, it's the camera is actually attached. The flash is actually attached onto the camera, mm-hmm. and you take your shot that way. And basically, uh, you don't need a, a light meter because the cameras today are good enough to actually work out how much light is needed in that shot, and 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 take the shot for you. And they're they're generally you know perfect. Mm. Right. When you take the flash off camera and you're shooting manually, mm. uh, you need to measure the amount of flash that you want to add to that shot. Yep. And I think if you want to have more control, and especially if you're working with a model, and I think the mistake a lot of mat- photographers make that I see is I've often watched shoots where they'll have the model standing there, they'll set up their light. And then they'll go back. They won't have a light meter and they will take like 50 frames Mm. guessing the light and going back and then going, nah, Mm. that's not right. Nah, try again. Nah, that looks awful. And this is what they're saying in front of the poor model Mm. who's standing there who may have been a little bit nervous to start with. But after 50 frames of that, A, they're starting to lose confidence in the photographer and B, they're probably, you know, had time to really think about it and they're probably thinking of like 20 other places they'd rather be right now. (laughs) Now, if you're shooting a celebrity, you you don't get that. You don't get that luxury. No. You you literally, and, and this is why I will use a light meter because I know that before they step onto my set, I've got someone else to stand in and I've yeah. made that I've lit that shot and it's perfect and I know that frame one is always absolutely correct. Yeah, it's, it's actually, cool. and I have to say, I must be spoilt from working with you because I have to say it drives me bonkers when I'm there as a journalist or I'm, you know, producing the, the, the shoot or whatever and the photographer gets there a minute before the talent and they haven't set up anything and they're doing exactly that they're actually you know the the talent only goes into place then and it takes another hour and I was like you know I could have put my assistant there I could have just sat there as a dummy for you to just light the shot and for you to just to fix all of that and you're wasting all of this time it's driving me crazy (laughs) yeah no I I drum that into to to everyone that I'm teaching it's so important that you know you get there first Mm. and you you allow at least well depending if it's if it's a studio shoot I'm there an hour beforehand Mm. and I make sure that everything is worked out and and so technically every shoot I do frame one should be usable yeah yeah Frame one should be perfect, and and all you're doing after that is you may like you may tweak for skin tone a little bit because often the assistant might not be the same skin tone or hair colouring as as the talent, mm. but you mm, wouldn't yes. compensating very much. And then all you're going for after that is you're you're, you're looking at expression, but your lighting is absolutely spot on. And mm. so for that. The only way to do that is with a light meter and I have to say I I think that a lot of photographers has gotten really lazy and they do what I call chimping. What's that? And uh, this this is a a term uh, that I think was started in the States actually and chimping's like, have you ever seen um, when photographers take photos with a digital camera and they take a shot and then they 
and they go, ooh. And then they take a shot and they look at the back of the screen and they go, ooh. They take a shot and they look at the back of the screen and they go, ooh. So, so they look like chimps. Oh, my God. And, and, and that's also, if you're, I, th- like, I think a really good thing to do is if, if you're thinking of becoming uh, a photographer and you want to photograph people, go and have portraits taken. Yeah, because you then and know, know what the experience is mm. like. Know what it's like to be directed, mm. and and possibly try and get a portrait shoot done with someone who's really good, mm. and then go and get something <laughs> done with someone who's not so good, <laughs> and then see, notice the difference, and you know what it's like to be told to be directed really well, so that you understand, and and, and someone who's directing you really clearly, and 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 makes it really easy for you to move and then someone who mutters and mumbles like go mm. go get your passport photo taken <laughs> as an example of how not to do it yes <laughs> and then, yeah so i i really think that 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 chimping really the the model loses a lot of confidence yeah you see people now doing. i could talk about lighting forever with you because i find it quite fascinating and i know that you've got a lot to share on that so what we might do maybe is have a whole other episode on lighting yeah, oh definitely so let's move on to um because you know we, we want to stick with the essential gear in this and I, one thing i just realized is that you know you travel a lot and yeah. even though i travel a lot i don't actually bring all my camera gear with me in the same yeah. way as you do because i yeah. i'm not traveling as a photographer except for my just fun shots and i i i have all this gear but it kind of lives at home or in one place i don't need special bags or I don't need, you know, padded stuff to check it onto airplanes with or chuck it into the car. What is essential if you're going to be portable um, in terms of what to carry your gear in? Are there, is there, you know, do you have some tips on that? Yeah, yeah. So, and and portable can be like if you're jumping on a plane to do a shoot somewhere else. And portable can also be if you're wanting to do a shoot where you're moving around a lot. Yeah. You know, so, and and you want to have something that's as light as possible. So, you go with the lighter tripod. Yeah. Right? And then you go, you, you, you pick your lenses. So it might be instead of carrying your complete kit, it's like, well, what am I going to be photographing today? Am I going to need all my lenses or will I just stick to my walk around? Mm. Or am I just going to be shooting, you know, portraits all day where I'll just use – I like shooting my portraits on a Zoom. So is it just one Zoom? And I think just for safety, I just think it's a good idea to just have two lenses. Um, and then I would have – all my memory cards, of course, mm. and I would have a one speed light in case I needed it and then the reflector and then the light meter and your flash triggers. Did we talk? We didn't talk about the flash triggers earlier, did we? The, the, the actual items that trigger the flashes. Well, we, we mentioned that essentials. you have them. No, but, yeah, go on. So, again, with everything photography, you can get the top of the line and they can cost you hundreds of dollars each. And then there's always uh, the cheap knockoffs that, that, you know, you can buy for $10, $20, or $30. Um, when you're deciding whether to buy top of the line or sort of like the, the lower end, think about like if you're going to buy top of the line, it's because you're going to be using it again and again and again and again and again. And the reason they're top of the line is they never fail. Mm. Okay, that's what you're paying for, to be able to use them thousands and thousands and thousands of times. You can knock them around a bit. They're built to take it, right? That's, that's where the money goes. Mm. And then the, the lower end ones, 
they'll work, you know, fairly consistently, not 100% of the time. So if you're prepared to go, well, you know, maybe I'll get 90 out of every 100 frames or, or 80 out of every 100, then you can go with the lower end brand as well. And right. if you're not going to be using it all the time, and so if you're just starting out, I think it's perfectly fine to buy sort of a more generic brand, entry-level brand, and then you sort of get to practice on that. And then when you're ready, move up to a more expensive brand that's maybe a bit more robust. Mm-mm-mm. And that's what I did. I had the entry-level ones. And I think the only thing that annoyed me about those is every time uh, a forklift or, or a, um, a certain truck with a certain light went by, they'd set off my flashes because <laughs> the, the lights were the same. And I remember being on a tennis court trying to photograph uh, someone, you know, on centre court somewhere and I had that, that a certain set time and there was a forklift in the, in the stadium as well. Oh. My flashes were just going... The How whole time. Bizarre. And I couldn't work out what it was. I couldn't work out why, what's happened, something's wrong. And then, and then I ended up taping up the sensor on the, on the, um, on the, uh, the trigger and that stopped it and, and I was like. How bizarre. Driving me inside. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but back onto the actual cases. What yep. do you carry your stuff in? Like some special name brand, you know, uh, camera gear case or or what what do you carry stuff in i've got three camera cases so i've got a lowry lowry pro slingshot which is that is my walk around travel it's like a backpack Mm, right mm. and and it's 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 really good what's great about it is it goes uh it, it it sits on your back really well it's got a like a great really comfortable wide strap that goes i'm actually doing the like a seat belt across the front of your body mm. right and so that fits really comfortably but then it's got um uh, another strap that you wrap around your waist that takes the weight off so that sits on your hips like a proper like a hiking backpack so it takes all the weight of the backpack off your shoulders so you don't feel like you're carrying a lot of weight and then it's great because you can actually uh, access uh, gear from zips at the side and it's got all what you want to look for in a good backpack is lots of little pockets so that you've got everything's got its own little home and place for it so uh that that's a ripper then i've got um two roller cases so one slightly smaller and one larger so they've got a slot for a laptop extra lenses and bits and pieces so if i'm just shooting on location i'm not moving around a lot i take a roller bag if i'm walking around it needs to be carried uh i'll I'll take the uh, slingshot and what i've got as now my main big studio camera case which has got everything and Mm. the kitchen sink like Mm. it's massive Mm. it's not even a camera bag what is it it's actually a suitcase really and what i've done is i've converted it and the 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 inside of it is an old camera bag that i had and i've just taken the inside of it and placed it inside uh, a suitcase all the foam stuff all the all the dividers and everything yeah. go in there, and I use that, and that's got all my cameras and everything are beautifully divided and all snug and safe. Mm. And then you close the lid, and then it's got uh, a, a really big, beautiful spot for my laptop. I can even, I think, hook on a um, a tripod in there, and then there's all the extra little pockets for notebooks and 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 things like that. It's perfect. Do you check that in? No, no, no that's um. I never check my luggage. No. 
under in, onto the plane to go underneath mm. in the cargo. Never, ever, ever. And I've, I had a few arguments. I, I got stopped last week, actually. Um, mm. I won't tell you who the airline were, but they stopped me at security and they, they said, can we weigh your bag? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like 15 kilos <laughs> and and they're like you're gonna have to put it underneath i'm like it's got all my gear and it's got my camera in it i kept saying they're like oh you'll just have to you know you'll be right and then she i opened it up and she said oh my god that can't go underneath look at all that gear she let me put it on <laughs> oh good honor <laughs> good honor i know um now okay so that's our essential gear and you know before we wrap up I want to ask cuz I know that when I've been out with you not even at shoots just out in you know restaurants um you can be a bit in like when we go on holidays and stuff you can be a bit MacGyver about life um let alone your gear and you pull out torches and mirrors and you know you you make us light our food with our iPhones and stuff like yeah. that what are some other good DIY hacks that you have with your gear? I'm sure uh, it's more exciting than just, you know, lighting photos with iPhones. So I reckon the camera bag's a bit MacGyver, don't you, to oh, be able to yeah. do that? It's like, I'm really proud of that. But other <laughs> things, it's like I, re- I went through a couple, like the reflectors, using cardboard or, yes. or foil or all of that. The other thing that, that, that uh, I use uh, clamps. Like you're often clamping background paper to, to things or holding, you know, anything that you need to use a clamp for. Yes. You can buy the proper photographic ones or you can just get jumper leads. Oh, my God. <laughs> and cut off the ends. That's what I've got. I've got jumper oh. My assistants laugh at me constantly for the number of MacGyver things I have. And they're like, Gina, you can afford to. And I'm like, I don't, I, I like MacGyvering, okay? Just let me have this. Um, one of my assistants refused to use this uh, stool that I bought from a reject shop for like two dollars. It's this little um, plastic blue stool that I ha- have. It folds flat in my car, and when I'm on location and I need to do a portrait of someone and I want them sitting down, if you're on a road, where are they going to sit? And you always need somewhere for them to sit. I pull out my little two dollar stool, <laughs> and you, it'll never be in the photo. But sometimes I just want people at a lower angle, and I yeah. use that. Uh, the other thing you can do is I made my own uh, shot bags, which is like sometimes you just need weights to keep things in place like paper or you can hang these off uh, if you've got lights outside and you don't want them to blow over, like a, a weight, a bag. Like sandbags. Sandbag. You've That's made all of bag. those. I've made you them. Didn't so buy you get, them. <laughs> you get, I've now bought them all because I actually lost all the ones that I made because I had them for years and years and years. But you basically get jeans, old old denim jeans, and you can cut off the, 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 the cut the legs and you sew up one end, fill it with clean sand. It has to be clean sand, otherwise they'll smell. And then you sew up the other end and you've got a sandbag. I had no idea you did that. And they're yes. And they're really <laughs> good. The other thing you can do is you can make your own scrim. Uh, which are really handy, and you can you can make those out of uh, pipe, uh, plastic pipe that you get from uh, the hardware store, and you can you can create wear ones. And once you've made the frame out of uh, the pipe and the corners that you can buy, so you can get like a make a meter square uh, yeah. frame, and then you go to a sail maker and get them to sew you like a square of sailcloth, and you've got your own. Uh, Diffuser. Do you actually save that much money? Yeah, you do. I had all those made. Like I had them for ages. And now I've bought like new ones. But I, I really loved my MacGyver made ones. <laughs> I really they, did. 
There you go, everyone, the MacGyver of the photography world. So that brings us to the end of our podcast episode this week. We'd love to hear from you if you've got some questions that you'd like Gina to answer. Please do email us, um, news at ginamilitia.com. And you can follow Gina at where? Uh, Gina Militia on Twitter and Gina Militia everywhere else. Yeah, (laughs) Militia, yeah, yeah, all social media. Makes it easy that way. <laughs> and we'd love it if you could um, spread the word, but also give us your feedback on what you'd like to hear more about on this podcast. We've got some fantastic ideas coming up and fantastic topics that we're going to be covering. So we look forward to chatting to you soon. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and uh, I'm here with Gina Militia, and goodbye. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com. <laughs>